Would you pay a dollar to make a glass of Coca-Cola in your home on this consumer goods edition of Industry Focus? Greetings, fools. Sean O'Reilly here at Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. And joining me today to discuss the consumer goods sector is the eminent Vincent Shen. How's it going today, Vince? I'm doing well, Sean. How was your weekend? Uh, it was pretty good. Nice long weekend. We uh, we definitely got outside. I took my son to the uh, uh, park with a big water fountain type thing deal going on, and uh, he got really wet. And <laughs> not expe- uh, not surprised by then that. Then he jumped on me. <laughs> well, um, I'm glad you had a good weekend because we're going to be talking about some beaten down consumer goods. Beaten down there. consumer goods stuff. Absolutely. Um, so first up, we're going to be talking about Curie Green Mountain and. Uh, I know it's basically do or die time for them. Um, how are things looking, uh, basically, in your estimation, post Keurig 2.0, which just got rolled out, and pre cold, which our listeners may or may not be aware is their in home beverage system for cold beverages that's going to be coming out? Uh, best way I could describe that is probably stuck between a rock and a hard place. They're yeah. in a very precarious position. I think uh, they fumbled. The Keurig 2.0 release significantly building up a lot of ill will instead of goodwill right. with their consu- with their customers. You see these videos on YouTube. They uh, basically consumers are teaching other viewers how to hack the 2.0 exactly and all this stuff. And the it, yeah. Anyway, this isn't to say that they're not profitable though because they're still making money. It's just a little bit less. Yeah, and you know, admittedly, the stock is has really taken a beating. It's down sixty some odd percent. I think. Oh yeah, it's trading. I think it's highs just over fifty in the one fifties. Yeah. Now it's in the you know high fifties range um, over the past year or so. And uh, like you mentioned, the the customers were not happy with. The Keurig 2.0 when they tried to lock out the third-party pods. Right. And the thing is, it's an understandable business decision if you look at it strictly from that view. In that, you know, the pods make up the line share of their top line, like eighty-four percent. Well, and right? can you imagine? Like, uh, I, I make this analogy because I actually I like Keurig's basic business model a lot. You've got um, twenty million of the original Keurig machines across the country, and that's supporting uh, all the pod sales, which is eighty-four percent of their business. Yes. I mean, it's and it's it's repeat. It's it's and the analogy I always make is it's like the Gillette razor blades, it's the Gillette disposable razor blade model, and can you imagine Gillette, you know, selling the actual handle for razor blades and then letting competitors' blades go on there? That just wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, so to Keurig's credit, I mean, I can't blame them for doing that. But there's there there was a backlash. People were figuring out how to hack it, and they just stopped. Um, so just to give everybody a little bit of context before we move on. I did want to uh, give some some numbers. Um, their third quarter for fiscal year 2015 came out a month ago. Non-gap earnings per share came in at eighty cents. Gap earnings per share of seventy-three cents. That was a little bit below consensus estimates. This is actually the troubling stuff, though. Net sales decline of five percent, four percent excluding uh, foreign currency uh, uh, fluctuations. Pod equivalent servings volume growth of five percent. So they sold five percent more pods in the quarter than last quarter, but revenues were still down because of the price competition and basically they they called it the product mix. But that basically means people are just buying the cheaper pods. Yeah, that's the. So. I, I think that's the the real uh, problem that we should be calling attention to is the fact that the number of unit sales for their pods went up, but their actual dollar number yeah. for revenue went down, and that's coming from the fact that they have to compete with these lower priced third party uh, pod providers or makers, and uh, you know overall their gross margin 
for that quarter plummeted plummeted you know it that really was... took a hit going from 40 about around 43 and a half percent to 36 percent uh the net margin fell also from about 15 to 12 percent uh those declines are not what wall street wants to see that's right. that's for sure and it explains why the stock i think what it fell 30 percent that day after yeah. the report yeah so and brutal it's... brutal trading yeah so uh and like any good self-respecting company that wanted to engender confidence from its shareholders they announced a billion dollar share buyback so that's good um so now okay so they fumble the 2.0 release nobody's buying the machines i think machine sales were down i don't know 30 some odd percent or something i apologize if that's wrong um, oh yeah, the brewers and accessory sales were down twenty two percent year over year. Yeah, so I was a little uh, overshot a little, but um, so they put you know kind of kind of fumbled the the two release, which is supposed to be you know their answer to the 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 problems they've been experiencing with you know competing pods and cheaper pods and everything. They you know lock them out and they'd be good to go, but it's just not taking. Um, they're also getting competition. I was walking through Target uh, yesterday with the wife and son and. Uh, you know they've got the at the end cap. They've got a very nice Keurig based display with the 2.0, and you got all the pods and the machines and everything. But in the next end cap was the uh, Nespresso, their machine that's basically a competitor for the Keurig, and it's you know it's ex- more expensive coffee, but it's awesome too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got that problem. Um, but so basically, all their hopes for future growth and all in shareholders' hopes for future growth are pinned on this cold. That's spelled with a K of all things, so that's not quite proper English. But anyway, but well, before we get into that, okay, you the last thing you mentioned uh, before we jumped into the cold details is the buyback program, which I I don't know that one really hit a nerve with me too because you know you just released a quarter and saw uh, a weak quarter. Um, Where are they getting the money the for that though? Because I actually have a note here to myself. This is actually really funny. Their cash and cash equivalents fell. I, I couldn't believe this. Cash and cash equivalents last year on June twenty eighth, twenty fourteen, was one point two billion. Guess what it is at the end of June this year? Very very low. Eighty million dollars. And the reason for that one point one billion R and D. Investments in uh, and their last buyback program. and the in the other buyback program the, in the last Whoa. buyback program uh, I think I saw it they purchased their shares at an average price of about one hundred twenty dollars right now, well that's where Coke bought in too with uh, Coke owns sixteen point eight percent of the company that's why they're developing the cold with Coca Cola and their purchase price is way higher yeah so you know consider the fact that that last buyback program at least on a short term basis has been disastrous you know it's basically Fifty percent loss on that, right? Uh, crushed their cash position, uh, re- um, increased their debt levels too, and now they're announcing another one. And I know the management wants to signal, like, "Hey, you know, we think that our stock is a good value right now." But when you're juggling all this stuff and your core business in, is in kind of dire straits to an extent, right? Do you really want to be war- juggling another ball with the buyback program, right? Um, so, okay, going from there, now we're looking at the cold. This one is funny because uh, I always bring up one company that I think kind of represents what could potentially happen on the negative side, which is SodaStream. Womp womp. Yeah. And this was this was a foolish pick. Not our best. Um, but uh, they're uh, an Israeli company, and they've got that. And it's actually, the analogy is perfect because they, ha- too, have a solid, basic, profitable business, just like Kira Green Mountain does with their hot beverage business. Um, even though it's suffering a little bit, but uh, SodaStream has um, uh, basically a lock on the carbonated water in Europe. Yes, um, Europeans love carbonated water, and they don't even need flavor; they just love carbonated water, and that's 
they everybody has a soda stream. They use the CO two cartridges, and uh, that that's it, and it's profitable. So all the upside with soda stream for you know the the theory of a couple of years ago was uh, all the upside was the United States and flavored water here, and it has not panned out at all. Okay, I will I will hear the positives. I think there are for the cold. Okay, first of all. Um, you know, I think what was it? They mentioned that the addressable market is like five times the size right. of the hot beverage, and it's and that actually was crazy because you think about all the money that Americans spend on Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts and Folgers in the house mm-hmm. and Keurig machines and everything, and but on the flip side, like the cold, like cold beverage market in the United States includes everything from water, iced tea, Coca Cola, Pepsi. It goes on and on and on. So it is huge, and if they can get a small chunk of that, they can make a bunch of money. So that's a positive. Okay, very large addressable market. Won't deny that. I also think they have lined up some very strong partnerships for the cold. Right. You know, they have the Coca-Cola. If you're going to partner with right? somebody, you're going to partner with. They got with, Dr Pepper. Yeah. They got Sprite. I think they have Canada Dry too. Yeah. So they've locked down some excellent partnerships that uh, for products. On the cold beverage side, that people are going to want. My biggest bo- problem, my biggest problem. Okay, now going from the positive side to the negative side, is the price tag on the beverage system. Okay, so for our listeners that don't know, the cold machine is going to roll out in limited quantities later this year online, uh, you know, through the website and everything, and it'll be completely in stores and all retail outlets by uh, the holiday season next year, so 2016. The price is $299, and the pods in investor presentations, I mean, that's what they're saying, the pods for 8-ounce Coca-Cola glass will be $0.99 cents to $1.29, depending on the brand that we're talking about. It will cost you a dollar to make an 8-ounce serving of Coca-Cola in your home with a $300 machine. That just seems like because the Soda Stream is that limits hundred dollar that limits your potential market significantly. Yes, there's I don't know too many people that's going to drop three hundred dollars on that. This really boggled my mind because um, the Soda Stream costs what eighty bucks, a hundred bucks, and you're already and they're already seeing how kind of people are moving towards the you know a lower cost wherever possible for their coffee on the hot beverage side, right? With right. the third party pod providers, right. I, I I just I think. That price tag, plus the fact that management's really kind of pegging all of their hopes on the success of this system, um, it, it's it's a little scary to think about. Man, it's almost like they need to just really build up because um, arguably the the it's it's early in the game for in home uh, single serve beverage brewing. You know, it's like Coca Cola years ago or something. Um, it seems like they need to build up their brand as you know how even if it's cheaper, you don't buy the in-store brands usually of Coca-Cola. I can kind of see. You that. know what yeah. I mean? It's almost like they need to get in everybody's heads that the Keurig brand pods are the best darn coffee. And arguably, they, that's actually how they got their start. Really good beans. That's how Green Mountain got their start. Yeah. It's almost like they need to get the consumer to buy into buying their pods, and then they can charge a premium price, and everything's peachy. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know about this cold man. <laughs> so you know, okay, looking at the stock now, you know, we're trading in the high in the fi- high fifty levels for right. the price. Uh, Valuation wise, it's at about seventeen times uh, expected fiscal two thousand sixteen earnings. So this is like the lowest price earnings it's been at in and it's several at, uh, years. The market PE, basically. And um, I don't know. For me, at best, this is a wait and see because right. you know they need to show that they can regain those margins, right? Boost sales, handle their pod competition, wisely buy back shares, right. and successfully introduce a whole new beverage system 
that's a ton. To well, not only that, but you know, if you bust out your uh, your original copy of The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham or something, he would not pay 17 times earnings for a company that's not guaranteed to grow. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's not going to grow, if it's going to grow at three percent or whatever, let's just pretend it grows with the U.S. economy or something. Um, it's worth like ten times earnings. I mean, there's no other, you know. <laughs> so I I will say that you know it does have a very strong base. You mentioned mentioned that there are twenty, 20 million, million machines in the United States. So and that's, it yeah. is generating uh, pretty strong cash flows from uh, when I last checked. So that you know, I, I think that they have some resources. That they can push into the rollout of the new system, and it's not like a dead stock or anything like that. But uh, there are a lot of balls in the air. Right. Focus, guys. Focus. Mm-hmm. Oh, before we move on, I wanted to make our listeners aware of a very special offer for all industry-focused listeners. If you found this discussion informative and you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may be the service for you. It is our flagship newsletter, started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We're offering the lowest price out there for all of our industry-focused listeners. It is $129 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two stock recommendations every single month with insight from our team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of this deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And uh, moving on to our mailbag question of the week, Jesse Flynn Jr. writes in and asks, What are your thoughts on Skull Candy going forward? They have zero debt and are a leader in mid-range priced headphones and speakers. Um, and that's literally all he wrote. But uh, So I don't know if he, he wants to know if we think it's a buy or sell or what. But um, real quick for listeners that aren't aware, what is Skull Candy, Vince? All right, so Skull Candy uh, is basically fun name, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I've had some experience with their products too, with their headphones. But um, they produce now; they've expanded their offerings. Um, especially uh, a very notable part of their business is when they uh, acquired Astro, which really got them into the gaming segment. But they produce like audio products, like headphones, earbuds, Bluetooth speakers, uh, those types of consumer. So products. if I'm a uh, heavy big time PC gamer or something, they sell the best. Darn headphones! Very, there. very okay. Uh, okay. Strong leading products on both ends with the Skull Candy, Skull Candy and Astro brands. Um, so I can understand why you know some of our members are. But interested. they have to compete with Bose. With okay, okay. That's <laughs> actually not really the case because you basically have a company that knows what its target market is, and as uh, it was Jesse right mentioned, yeah. they hit a price point between 25 and $100, at least on the Skull Candy side. Okay. And they really dominate that that segment. Um, I will the, the, Something that the company definitely has going for them is they have some of the leading products in that price segment, that target market, and they're doing very well there. So, Bose and uh, you know Beats and everybody, they got Being like on the, the high end, three hundred, three four hundred dollars They're kind of uh, basically targeting a, a, a different... Uh, Segment of the market. So, uh, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it is a consumer, you know, electronics company. Are they profitable? Like, what's been going on with them? Yeah, sure. I, and I think the reason why Jesse brought this question up is the fact that the stock's down twenty seven percent year to date. Um, it's trading around six sixty eight for the last close, and it's fallen about forty percent since the peaks that it reached in April and May. And the thing is, the, the shares really took a cliff dive when they released their first quarter earning first quarter earnings. Excuse me. Um, and the thing is. On the surface, report didn't seem all that bad. Uh, you know, 
they experienced some negative foreign exchange impacts, which is not surprising considering uh, that's happening to pretty pretty much any global company, right? But the thing is, excluding those effects, sales were up 21% year over year. Uh, The company reduced its operating loss, and it it either met or beat Wall Street expectations on the top and bottom lines, right? And the thing is, like I mentioned, it continues to lead... uh, it sold the most by dollar value or by units in in those price segments Got that it. it targets. Uh, is there the, any hope of profitability? Like where? Yeah. So the thing is, um, you know, the company is kind of going through a turnaround period right now since uh, things also kind of took a dive in two, around 2013. Um, uh, some I think pain points that really scared investors for the quarter were that kind of similar to Keurig. Gross margin weakened significantly. It fell. Uh, it fell six percentage points to four, about forty percent. Um, the company's trying to offset that by reducing some of their operating risk expenses too, as a percentage of revenue. Um, and the thing is, there is there are reasons driven behind that, which is the fact that they're really trying to grow their Astro uh, gaming division, which, by the way, is growing compared to the broader gaming industry. It's growing at multiples. So it's capturing market share. For yeah, sure. and the thing, is, but the thing is, the, the margins are just lower in that segment. Got it. So it's going to see a shift in that product mix, like you that you like to see. But this is a good, this is a positive development because uh, ultimately, you know, that's a very high growth area for them. And you know, like I said, the products are leading in that segment. Um, and for the second quarter, so how the company's been doing since then? Uh, you know, re- revenue was up double digits again, uh, and the gross margin was down still, but only 220 basis points, so not okay, as bad year yeah. over year. And uh, it was just shy of estimates on the top line, but it beat on earnings. And you know, Astro growth is still phenomenal. International growth, the management's targeting, I think, they want sales to go from about 30% of the top line for international to about 50%. And it's been growing very, very well in the high teens, low 20s on the international side, which also explains why those uh, currency impacts are hitting them a little bit. So what do you want to see from them to make the, the company of interest to you? Uh, I think it has a lot of long-term potential. Uh, it's been sh- it's, it is executing on its turnaround plan. It's uh, expanding into more products like the Bluetooth speakers. Uh, they're also hitting on like a women's line for the holiday season, and they're also uh, inking some good partnerships with retailers. Whereas, like usually, they were focused on kind of specialty action sports stores. Um, now they're hitting on big, big retailers, think Target, Walmart, Best Buy, and they're doing a lot of the store-in-a-store experience, kind of like we talked about last time, where Apple was doing really well with that at Best Buy. Got it. Um, Otherwise, uh, you know, they're focusing on their online sales as well, potentially working with Amazon, and this is all with a delicate balance of maintaining a very good partnership with those specialty action, uh, you know, specialty retailers that uh, are so important for them, where the customers go there, purchase the Skull Candy products, and they kind of introduce it to a wider demographic. So overall, the stock currently trades about 16 times and 12 times forecasted 2015 and 2016 earnings, so not expensive. Um, it has zero debt on the balance sheet. Which is, you know, always yeah, it's so a... rare. <laughs> and um, overall, I think that as it continues to execute very well on its turnaround plan, turnaround plan, excuse me, um, I think that uh, those margins are going to hit what management believes to be a steady state level of like 45 percent, and uh, that growth from some of the segments like international, from Astro, uh, they're seeing a lot of positive developments in places like India, Europe, China, 
that will push them into profitability and the stock will rebound back to like its $11 level it was trading at previously. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Vince. Cool. Thanks, John. If you're a loyal listener and have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Vincent Shen, I am Sean Riley. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!